Hey, what does it sound like? Well, I don't hear that like little echoey thing that what? was happening last time. I mean, it looks good. Chrissy, wake up. All right, ready? How do you sound? I think you knew adjust your mic so you can sit naturally like me. Naturally. Actually, I'm going to rotate mine more so I can fit. I can sit more naturally like this. That's natural. This is how I sit naturally. I can't turn it one way or the other. There you go. Jesus. Do you know, not know how to work it? I never know how to work it. Put my thing down, flip it, or reverse it. <laughs> Does that feel natural to you? It's still a little far, isn't it? <laughs> you can rotate it. Isn't it? From the bottom. Does that sound okay? Yeah, it sounds right. That sounds about right. Cool. All right, ready? Are you ready then? Oh, am I too loud? I'm sorry. Just a bat. Welcome back to the Shaking Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your host, Eric and Bibi. Today we're going to be talking about the 1982 film Poltergeist directed by Toby Hooper. But before we get into that, how are you done, Bibi? I don't know if that's the right use of that word. Have we been recording this entire time? Yeah. I've been fidgeting with the mic. Well, now I'm upset. Take it out on the mic. Bars, let's go. No. <laughs> no. This is when you create the diss track against me. Or the mic. Yeah. I am exhausted. How are you? Tired. Yeah. We mentioned on the last episode that we've been renovating before we move in. And we're probably not done by the time this is out. No, absolutely not. But it's around the corner and Loki and Elvira will be in the house wreaking havoc. Yay. Well, I have stuff to be happy about. Oh, yeah? This is episode 69. Noise. Ah. I think as of today, recording this, there are 69 days to Halloween. Oh, I could be wrong. It's like it was fate. Fate that we took much longer than we meant to. It feels like something should happen today with all the 69s that are in the air. Anyway. We should have done like a stripper movie or something. We should have. We didn't plan. All right, guys, you know what? It's hard to try to create content. We're late. We were late last week. We're sorry. We're trying. Bear with us. Things will go back to normal eventually. I've been saying that for months. If you're still here, then you probably care about us. So we appreciate you. But if you're new here and you're like, what the fuck is this? Stick around because it's. Not going to get any better. Just stick around for it. No, but things to be happy about. Spirit Halloween's back. Yes. We've already spent way too much money. We have. You know what else is back? What's back? Pumpkin flavored things. Everything. Beer. Coffee. That's it. That's all we need. That's all we need. Cookies. Donuts. What else is pumpkin flavored? Literally everything. Yeah. Our soap is pumpkin flavored. Because we eat it. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're in spooky season around the corner, what do you have for creepy content? Because we haven't recorded in like, what, a month? Month and a half? Fully? Like a full episode? Yeah. Yeah. We're very late to this, but we saw Nope. We did. Do you want to say what you thought about it? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I don't want anybody to hate me. Ooh. And I preface this by saying, like, I liked it. But I also don't think it was the most amazing thing like everyone else is making it seem. And I mean that truthfully, just like it was good, but I definitely would put it as like third in the Jordan Peele trilogy of movies that he's put out. I still think Get Out's first, Us is second, and I think Nope's last. And I like Alien movies. And again, I I still like the movie. It was great. There's some fun stuff in there. Definitely go check it out if you haven't already. I just don't know that I would say it was a masterpiece like most people. (laughs) What about you? What a hot take. I agree with your ranking. I think for me, Get Out. And I have to rewatch Us because I might actually not be sure between those two, which I prefer. Nope would be last for me. I enjoyed it. It was super fun to watch. That's all I say about anything is that it's super fun. So fun. It's fun. People are literally dying. It's so fun. Oh, I love the monkey. It was so fun. That was terrifying for sure. I felt so bad. It's a roller coaster of emotions. So many things that you're just, there's acts that are named after the horses and Gordy. It's. 
If you haven't seen it, everything I'm saying is probably like, what are they talking about? I've said before that aliens just terrify me, but this alien was so bizarre and not in a scary way, like it's almost a beautiful way. Right. I will say that probably my favorite scene was when it rained blood on that house. That was really cool. I guess this is a, a vague, spoil-filled review. Right. There's blood on a house and aliens. Yes. In case you didn't know that. In case you haven't seen it a month later. Are you ready for my creepy content? Yes. So because I've been renovating this place with Vivi, I've been doing a lot of flooring, so it's mindless work. I put on Halloween Town, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, Hubie Halloween, The Phantom of the Megaplex, Hocus Pocus, I don't know why I say it like that, and Twitches. All, if not most, of them are old Disney, like Halloween slash like scary, if you want to call them that, movies that I grew up with. Hubie Halloween is a newer one. I think that was from like, what, 2020? I believe so. They're all good. I think they're all like good fun. They're not like actually scary. But when I was growing up, definitely like got spooked by some of these like Megaplex. I remember I was like, oh my God, it's the old man. He's the one doing it. Halloween Town was always fun. It's a classic. I think we brought it up as creepy content in the past too. Yes. Mom's Got a Day with a Vampire. Also a classic. It's got that one guy. I forgot Van Helsing was in it. That's so funny. I forgot that too. I didn't watch these with you. So I haven't seen Mom's Got a Date with the Vampires in years. I think we need to watch them because there are some fun things about these. Like Phantom of the Megaplex. There's a part at the end where the little old guy is like, oh, you know, I wasn't really too scared about the Phantom of the Megaplex, but the werewolf of the Megaplex. Now that's a story to be afraid of. And it ends with the Howling Wolf. And I thought it was going to be a series. Maybe it was planned to be a series, but never got the audience or the funding. Yeah, it would have been so cool. I remember being so excited when I was younger because it did spook me, but I was like, I want more. Twitch has obviously got some sequels, Hocus Pocus, sequels coming around the corner. Halloween Town had so many sequels. I kind of want to do a Patreon episode on all the Halloween Towns. Yeah. I do not acknowledge the fourth one. It doesn't have Marnie in it. Is that the one after High? Yes. Well, let's do it. Stay tuned for that eventually. All right. Well, what do you have for comfort content? Comfort. I've got nothing. Me neither. Which brings us to today's drink. What are we drinking? How would you pronounce this? Gulen? Gulel. I can't even see it. Gul. Gul. It's G-H-U-L-E-H. Gule. Oh, that sounds wrong. I-, I don't know how you say it. Pine, tangerine, grapefruit. Is it just ghoul and it's spelled different? Maybe. Probably. Okay. So then we are drinking ghoul by Metal Monkey and it's a double dry hopped Citra IPA. Do you want to taste it and guess what's in it? You already saw. All things that don't look like what the can shows it's about. Do you want to describe the can? Yeah. So the reason we chose this is because if you can guess, there is a like undead person coming out of under a grave in a cemetery with a headstone that says ghoul on it and it's black and white. It then says on the side, grapefruit, take your palate hostage before an impending wave of spicy evergreen bitterness washes the citrus away with the force of the river sticks. Clearly, if you've seen the movie, you know why we chose this. Yeah. Shall we? Yeah. Last time I couldn't open it. This time, similar. Sorry, I have nails on. Oh, that didn't open at all. <laughs> at all? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. There we go. Dink. This is also a local beer. It's from Romeoville, Illinois. Support your local breweries if you don't already. <clears throat> what do you think? I like this. This is the type of beer I usually order when we go out. Yeah, it's got a full taste. Definitely great fruity. I tend to like the more citrusy, fruity beers. It's pretty good. What do you rate this? I'm going to give it a four out of five. Wow. That is quite high. I think I'll give it a three and a half. I'm giving it an extra point for the pretty cool artwork. It is pretty cool artwork. I like it. I didn't even notice the zombie the first time. I had literally just grabbed it and I was like, oh yeah, let's get this because it's got the headstone and the cemetery in the background. But I didn't notice the zombie or undead person on the right. Well, if you want to try a ghoul, make sure that you keep an eye out for a zombie or undead thing coming out of under a headstone. Popping out at us just like 
these fun facts you're about to give us. That was a very long segue. It was. Hold on. Before I can think of a segue, I'm probably going to have a headstone just like the ones in this movie and on this beer. So before I die, can you give me some fun facts, please, babe? I like how you're just workshopping it here. <laughs> Is that good? I don't know. Please. Help me. Chug's entire beer. Mm-hmm. How about, um, oh, I lost it. Something about chilling in your backyard cemetery while drinking this beer and enjoying these fun facts. Okay. So for these fun facts, I'm going to run through them fairly quickly because I think we all know the fun facts already. Are they the super sad ones? They are the super sad ones that make this film one of the most cursed films out there, allegedly. Now, most of these fun facts could be found on the Shudder Cursed Films documentary series. I definitely recommend watching it. I enjoy that series. Last season wasn't as good, but... Their episode on Poltergeist is pretty interesting. Just after the release of the movie in 1982, the actress who played the older sister, Dana, Dominic Dunn, was murdered by her abusive ex-boyfriend, John Sweeney. Fuck. She was so young. How old is she? I think she was in her early 20s when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't even have like that many roles in this. I think we were talking if it was because he was like jealous. It seemed like their relationship was just not ideal from the beginning. This was her breakout role too. So with the success that it was, I imagine her career was only going to go places and he possibly could not handle that. It's fucked up. Fuck that guy. John Sweeney. I also find it eerie that his last name's Sweeney, like Sweeney Todd. I was just thinking that. Another one of the main actresses in the film that passed away was the actress who played Carol Ann, the little girl. Her death is also very tragic because it happened during the filming of Poltergeist 3. She had been misdiagnosed with having Crohn's disease, but what she really had was a bowel obstruction that eventually caused her to go into cardiac arrest. Why wouldn't they have like noticed that? Crohn's disease now, in this beautiful year, is hard to diagnose. So having it misdiagnosed seems like a possibility in the 80s. But wouldn't they have done like x-rays... I don't know what the scans are and all that stuff. Isn't there CT scans? Is that the one where they make you drink a liquid and then they can see inside you and stuff like that? Yes, it is. But I just don't know if the technology wasn't there yet or because it is so difficult to diagnose these type of things. It just slipped through the radar. I don't know if her family sued for like malpractice or something like that. That's so sad. It is really sad. Now, the main reason that people believe this film to be so cursed is the rumor that real skeletons were actually used in the filming of that pool scene in the end but apparently this was a common practice in old hollywood getting prop skeletons was more expensive than using actual cadavers that were like donated to science that's what i was gonna ask where did these skeletons come from or or do we know at all like were they donors were they from like the local cemetery i would imagine they are donated to science or used in classrooms things like that and they're just used on movie sets because the classroom skeletons were also real skeletons, yes. right? Back in the day. I wonder what stopped. Because, like, I understand it's inhumane, but is it? I think if- that's a personal choice. If you choose to donate your body to science. Hey, if someone was like, do you want your skeleton to be used in a horror movie after you're dead? I'd probably be like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, don't cremate me. Put me in a horror movie. Put me in a horror movie. Just this is my legacy. Put my skull between my legs and make a joke about it. Where did his head go? His other head. That's what Eric wants. You heard it here <laughs> first, folks. Do it. You heard it here. No, it's fucked up. Okay, I didn't know that. My question was going to be, because I'd never seen this before. The movie's style and the horror aspect of it doesn't give me inklings of a movie that would bring bad luck and a curse. Like, it's so camp. It's so, like, fun. Sure, scary at the time. 80s, right? But I kept watching it. I was like, what is cursed about this? Like, they didn't even do, like, a seance. They didn't do, like, a Ouija board thing. There's no demon involved. Like, why would this be cursed? But the real skeleton's a guess. Whose skeleton did they use? Fucking Madame LeBeau? 
of New Orleans. I can't imagine that using the average person's skeleton is like cursed enough. So you're saying it has to be like a really shitty person skeleton to then curse a film. It's multi-layered. No? Okay, did they use skeletons that they had no permission to use? Then okay, that could be the curse. But if they were like literally donated, like my card says, hey, yeah, use my skeleton for whatever the fuck you want. That's me giving you permission. Why would my soul and ghost attach itself and curse a film if I gave permission? Yeah. So I think it's people just trying to make sense of two tragedies by accrediting it to something supernatural just because we want answers the later installments also had many of the actors and people that worked on the movie die suddenly of like cancer and things like that but i know what you mean usually these types of cursed films are centered around demonic entities like the exorcist and the omen this was very reminiscent after watching it for the first time to like ghostbusters in the style of film interesting yeah because i don't think it was intended as that at the time i think this was legit a scary movie. It's 100% Spielberg, too. I know he didn't direct it, but he helped. I think he wrote it, right? Or produced it, something like that. So there is a lot of rumors about whether or not Spielberg was a hands-on director or if Toby Hooper did or did not direct. A lot of the people who worked on the film say it's disrespectful to say that Toby Hooper did not have a hand on it because he was very much the director. So I think it's just something that fans want to believe. Toby Hooper was Texas chainsaw and you could definitely tell like the toby hooper aspect of this film but you also just it's everything that spielberg has ever touched you know i definitely see a little texas in here because it has that like oddball sense of humor where you know it's not supposed to be funny but it comes off as funny right do you want me to do the speed run even though it's my least favorite part of the show let's do it i'm gonna do it fast because i want to get out of the way i actually can't remember anything you literally just did the whole write-up i didn't i did like the last hour and it's been like two weeks since i did the first hour i know are you ready Mm, yeah i'll just do my best are you ready for this one two three go this is gonna be so wrong and out of order but so there's this family like every other movie they're moving in they're a thing the dad works for this like development company where they make neighborhoods and stuff like that and they're like yeah it's great amazing we got money we're moving in weird stuff starts happening at night uh the daughter like notices that there's voices coming from the tv the dog's like doing tricks for ghosts and stuff like that. And then they're like, oh my God, it's flashy. They're like, look, there's burning activity in our house. And it's kind of campy in the beginning because they're like, oh, it's fun. It's amazing. There's music. And it's like, oh, look, it's so great. But then stuff starts to get too weird. Caroline gets sucked. Caroline's the daughter gets sucked into the closet and is like, oh no, she's disembodied. Mom's like, oh no, we got to do it. We got to do something. And then like Steve's like so distraught and, and like just brought down and you can see it on his face. He goes and talks to like the local paranormal paranormal people and they like come in to investigate and they're like, oh no, we, we don't know what to do. And then they investigate more and then they end up inviting Zelda Rubenstein who plays Tangina and she's amazing. I love her. And then she helps get Caroline back and it's so cool. But then the movie's still got like 20 minutes left and then you know something's about to go down. So then, oh no, stop. They save her. They save her. You didn't make it. I felt like I was going so fast. This movie's two hours long. <laughs> you added quite a few details. I did. I was just trying to do my best. And we have to take a shot? What does that mean? We're doing a shot to LaCroix? What's going on? Yeah, we're doing a shot of beer because we got to drive home. Okay, yeah, we, we do. We don't live here yet. Unless you want to do hypnotic, but then I will not wake up uh, for work tomorrow. This is not a hypnotic, or I guess poltergeist could be hypnotic. It matches the color of the lights at the end. That's true. Drink of the week, hypnotic. Brought to you by hypnotic. We should do like drinks of the week. Like what helped us get through this week? Mm. People would just be disappointed. Yeah, 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 they would. <laughs> All right. I did my best. Okay, I'm sorry. Do you want to tell us what the internet's about? What the internet's about? Do you want to tell us what the internet says this movie's about? Can you briefly summarize what the entire internet is about? <laughs> I recently watched something where somebody today in 2022 was just like, I saw it on the internet. The internet, you the know, that internet. thing that people like look on for information. And I was like, who asks that question today? The informational superhighway. Of webs? The world wide webs? Yeah. 
brought to you by the world. Okay. I might look up another one because this is IMDb's entire review of this film. A family's home is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts. Are they demonic though? I mean, they're pretty sketch. But there's no outright mention of it's demonic. Tangina's just like, there's an angry force in there. I kind of assume it's just like a rogue, angry, dead person who just got so alone and angry and forgotten Coco style that they became evil. Well, their entire premise is that it is built on an Indian burial ground. It's not. It's not mentioned. I thought that was the entire bit of this film. Mr. Teague literally is like, it's not an ancient burial ground. It's just people. Oh, they differentiated. Yeah. They're just people. It's not a native burial ground. It's just people. That is a legit line in this movie? Yes. Oh my god. Because those are the ones you gotta worry about. Wow, I feel like my entire perception of this movie is a lie because I thought the bit was always that it was on top of an ancient Indian burial ground. Oh, are you serious? Oh my god, yeah, you should watch it again then. The flashbacks where they could see the spirits of the people. It's like people with top hats and like old clothes and stuff like that. Couple thing. It doesn't make sense if the development is new. The plots of land. They just recently moved it. They were only recently disturbed. And I remember those parts now that you're saying them because I kept thinking this sounds so much like Insidious. The way they describe the demons in the realm of the further. Right. But the cemetery, we don't know how old the cemetery is. I know that they just moved in, just disturbed it. But the dead could be from however long. America, I guess. U.S. has been here. 300 years. America. Could be an old American gangster who's just so angry with everyone forgetting. That's why I said Coco style. Like, he's just been dead so long and forgotten. They're just so angry and jealous that they became this, like, skeletal monster. Like the boogeyman from Don't Look Under the Bed. Should we... Get into it. Otherwise, we're just going to keep comparing this movie to a bunch of other <laughs> movies. You can tell this movie because IMDb gives it a 7.3. And I would not give this movie a 7.3, but I feel like it's just the nostalgia factor. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I don't it's think it was time. intended to be fun, though. Like, when we watched it, this was my second or third rewatch. This was your first watch, correct? Yeah. So it was funny to us in some parts. I don't in- think we're intended to be funny at all in 82. With it being Toe Pooper, though. Again, that like dark sense of humor. Yeah, because there were parts I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is hilarious. I love Tangina, though. I'm just going to say that up front. I fucking love Tangina. I live and breathe Tangina in Poltergeist. But then on a t-shirt. Okay. And then it's just her with her sunglasses on, and she's like, you're right. You go. I want that on a shirt. That is a hilarious yeah. line. <laughs> Let's dive into it. The intro credits start as we hear the Star Spangled Banner and get a super zoomed in view on a state-of-the-art 480p television. I forgot that TVs look this horrible, but when you see it in TV, you're like, oh, fuck, yeah. How do we survive? You can see literally every pixel, which is a lovely throwback. I didn't focus that much on the TV, I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) The song ends and the TV falls on white noise as a man, Steve, passes out in his chair from drinking. He drops a beer. The film goes eerily silent as we watch a dog go on an adventure throughout the house, stealing everyone's late night snacks while also introducing us to the rest of the family. He stops at Carol Ann, who wakes up and heads downstairs to see the TV flashing. She approaches it in a trance-like state before calling out to someone and asking what they look like. She starts screaming that she can't hear them, causing everyone else to wake up. They also just watch her as she creepily says five, yes, and I don't know multiple times before grabbing the screen. I truly want to know what they're asking her. I'm guessing five means how many people are in the house. Yes. Yes. Who knows? And I don't know. I don't know. It's like, what are they asking Are you religious? Is God on your side? Do we got to worry about a priest coming in? How devout are you? Those could be the questions. Yes. Yes, indeed. Quite. Yes. There are five of us. Yes. Oh, yes. We are very devout. Oh, no, no. Not that devout. We don't go to church. It's not only she has a British accent. (laughs) I do wish, though, like, I, I agree that we could see what the other side looked like. 
it's of its time and the budget and whatever. Yes. But I do wish we could like see the beings and like see what that in between further slash upside down looked like. Have you seen the remake? I haven't seen any Poltergeist. Okay. That Poltergeist probably did have the budget and it was not good. So I don't know if budget would have helped. Wow. Does she do so good at playing creepy? Caroline. She's amazing. She's creepy as fuck. <laughs> she really is. Also, why are they just like, hmm, should we stop her? No, let's just see where this goes. They're just standing at the stairs watching her talk to herself with her hand on the TV. Well, you're half asleep and your kid's just talking to the TV. No. I'd be like, dude, just go back to sleep. Exactly. You would say something. You wouldn't just be like, hmm, I wonder what this is about. (laughs) (laughs) Brings coffee, just stands there with hands crossed like, oh, yes. The creepiness ends with the intro credits continuing as we see people enjoying their lives in a quiet suburban town, which helps drive in a later plot that... The town might not be what it seems to those who live there. The guys are super into their game when the channel changes to Mr. Rogers on its own. They go off on Steve, but he explains their neighbor has the same remote. So he goes to talk to the neighbor when he hears one of the guys pissed as fuck that he bet his life on this game. That's your fucking fault. What the fuck are you talking? How's that my problem? Also, go buy your own game if you're that pissed. Also, what a sign of the time that your neighbor with the same remote could change your TV. Oh my god, yeah. That would How bizarre. Within the same house. I remember that, but I didn't know that it could go across neighbor's houses because i'd be in like the bedroom changing the tv to cartoons or whatever and my dad would always get pissed because we changed the soccer in the living room that never happened in my household we then get a pissing match between steve and ben the neighbor where they flip the channels on each other back and forth meanwhile diane is about to flush tweety down the toilet as caroline walks in why are you flushing a bird down the toilet i thought like with goldfish you just flush them down the toilet a bird's kind of a lot though yeah it's got bones got feathers it's thick thick how traumatizing (laughs) <laughs> outside Robbie tries climbing this ominous tree in their yard while inside Caroline and Diane put Tweety in a box to bury him we get another allusion to the point later when Caroline asks to put a flower with Tweety because he doesn't like the smell Diane is disinterested saying it doesn't matter because he's dead but Caroline takes care of him by putting a photo and a napkin in the box too for when he gets cold this is such a sad sweet scene it's like a little kid's first introduction to death it is but Caroline she just like flips instantly but I did think it was an interesting commentary because you know the movie doesn't really tell you that the reason things are going on is because of the mistreatment of the dead but this is sort of like showing how people are like don't really care about the dead even if it's a bird they're kind of just like yeah but they're dead already like who cares when they go to bury it caroline says a prayer while dana watches annoyed and robbie asks if they can dig it up to look at the bones clearly the message is we don't care about the dead because caroline is like okay cool like can i go get a goldfish two seconds later which is such a little kid thing to do <laughs> yeah And then it just cuts to goldfish in a bowl. There's a storm brewing. Robbie's reading a book nearby when he notices and gets really spooked by the lightning around the creepy tree outside. Diane comes in to tuck them in and give their good nights, but we see that Robbie is not okay. Diane and Steve are smoking blunts while Diane reads a book about sleepwalking because Caroline's been doing it a lot lately. Do you think that scene was controversial? Smoking blunts as parents in the 80s? In the 80s? Wasn't that like peak of the war on drugs? Probably, right? I wonder how much backlash they got. Yeah. I also don't like Steve. Do you? Really? Oh. Steve the dad? Yeah, you do? I think he's way better than so many dads we see in horror movies because he, like, loves his wife, which we never see. Does he, though? Yes, they even do the creepy, I love you, mouthing thing that we made fun of for, Does like, 20 minutes. Does that mean he loves her, though? They're definitely a better couple than most we've seen in I horror movies. Don't disagree with that, but I don't think he's the best. Because he doesn't listen I mean, to the her. the bar is low. It is. It is very <laughs> low, yeah. Like, if you're talking, like, everyone else is under 10 pounds of shit, he's under 5, you know? Ooh, that would be a good, like, ranking of the worst 
dads. Worst husbands. Worst right? husbands in horror movies that never believe that anything's happening. Worst partners. We could do that because it could go both ways. True. Unfortunately, there is not a lot. It's getting better now, but it's mostly hetero couples in right. horror films. And the dudes are usually horrible. Yeah. What's wrong with us? Just once, I'd like to see a horrible wife. <laughs> I'd like to see him. No, but I, I do truly think he's horrible because if you see him, he's not really like there. He's not present. And I understand, yeah, he's the one who makes the money or whatever, mm-hmm. but like he could still be a little better. I do see why you say like they're okay with each other because they joke around. But if you pay attention to his jokes and the way he plays around with Diane, he's very self-centered. He's very in his own mind. The only time he starts to care, and I'll explain it right now when I'm reading it, is when he starts to kind of brag about himself. That just sounds like a very 80s, I'm the breadwinner, you don't have real problems thing. Yeah. Steve doesn't really seem to be into the conversation as Diane brings up how she used to sleepwalk and worries that Carol Ann could fall into the pit they're making for their pool. What a rich person problem. (laughs) Steve only now seems to care when he starts joking about Olympic diving and shows off in the mirror, like flexing and shit. That's the only time... (laughs) <laughs> that's the only time that he really starts to pay attention to Diane's saying. Like, Diane is literally saying Caroline could fucking fall into the pit and die. She's sleepwalking. I used to sleepwalk. Like, I don't know what's going on with her. I'm worried. And he's like, oh, pool? I used to be an Olympic diver. And starts getting on the bed and fucking around. And yeah, he makes Diane laugh, but... He's not really paying attention to her concerns. So I don't think he's the best. Robbie just can't fall asleep and gets spooked by this clown sitting in a chair at the end of his bed. He covers it in a sweater. Why do you have this toy? (laughs) He clearly hates it. Who gave this to you? They hate you. (laughs) If my kid, if we ever have one, was like, Dad, I really hate this shit, I'd be like, well, then get rid of it. You know, that's funny because my mom would keep creepy dolls in the house but i never felt like i could be like mom i hate these please get rid of them because they wouldn't have listened to me so maybe that's how robbie feels oh yeah they'll yell at him like you're ungrateful grandpa's cousin's dad gave that to you i also cannot see this clown without thinking of a scary movie (laughs) he covers it in a sweater and heads to his parents' room while they're messing around to tell them the storm's getting closer steve takes him back to his room when robbie says he doesn't like the tree steve says the tree's been around since before his company built the neighborhood And if you look closely in the shots of the town earlier, you'll notice there's dead ominous trees all over the town. That's a good sign. You should definitely build property there. (laughs) Robbie keeps saying that the tree knows he lives there, and Steve says it's trying to protect the family. But Robbie's like, nah, you ain't fooling anybody. That thing's out to get me. Steve tells him the storm is passing and teaches him to count between when he sees the lightning and hears the thunder to figure it out. Robbie's in the room counting and seems relieved when he notices the counts are getting longer. But they still end up in their parents' bed. Which is funny. Which is very true to what little kids do. They're like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm coming to your bed. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, have you noticed that their bedroom looks like our bedroom? Isn't yeah. it like a vaulted ceiling? Okay. Ooh, are we going to have some poltergeist activity here? We need to look at what was here before. That's true. What if there was cemeteries here before? It's probably corn. I've heard noise in this house already. That just reminds me of one of the scenes from the Adams Family, the show, where they're talking about when they first came to the house and they're like, oh, it was creepy, decrepit. We thought it was haunted. And then Morticia's like, well, you can't have everything. (laughs) The TV is on and goes back to white noise again when Caroline wakes up to stare at it. We hear whispers as she reaches her hand out, and a ghostly hand reaches back out to her. It hovers over their bed in a smoky manner until it turns into a straight-up beam hitting the wall and shaking up the entire house. The family wakes up when it suddenly stops, and they see Caroline sitting at the bed saying, They're here. One of the most iconic lines in horror films. And it just cuts to the next day, and everyone's just like going about their life like, Dude, no! I'd be like, what the fuck was that? What are you talking about? That's why I'm saying that Steve is absent. Because if my kids started doing that, 
and my wife was like, hey, yeah, I don't know what's going on with her. She's like sleepwalking and saying all this weird shit. I would want to find out what's going on with my kid. Well, yes, but this is the 80s. No one cares what's going on with their kids. <laughs> Just put them in therapy. Oh, definitely not in the 80s. <laughs> the next day, construction workers are working in the pool as Steve talks to his boss about an earthquake that no one else felt. The kids are eating breakfast when Diane asks Carol Ann what she meant by they're here. Carol Ann's like, it was just the TV people. When Robbie's like, this bitch is high as fuck. The kid starts messing around with each other again when Robbie's glass of milk explodes all over Dana's homework. Robbie says it wasn't his fault and notices his spoon and fork are bent as Carol Ann stares into the kitchen TV. I just wanted to point this out. Diane walks past and she's like, Carol Ann, you're so close to the TV. Your vision's going to get messed up and changes the channel. Because she's just watching static. <laughs> yeah, like that's not any better. Another scene that really didn't have to be in this movie, Dana starts heading to the school when these grown-ass workers outside who are doing the pool notice her and start hitting on her. Grown as fuck. Like, we assume Dana is a teenager. Yeah, she's in high school. She obviously blows them off, but we see Diane inside laughing at the situation. I would have immediately fired them. Get off my property. Like, don't Don't, look at my teenage daughter. Yeah. The follow-up after this is when they're, like, sticking their head through her house and taking her food from the kitchen window and shit. And she's like, ha-ha, you kidders or whatever, you rascals, yeah. I think we're supposed to gather that these construction workers work for Steve. Like, they're all part of the same company building this. But that would make me even more sketched out. Like, your coworkers or your friends are not coming here Mm -hmm. if they did that. There's a literal mark on the wall that E-Buzz the dog is barking at. And Diane's like, haha, what you up to? He even starts doing tricks for it. And she's still like, huh. Until E-Buzz goes and brings a toy to the mark on the wall. She goes back to the kitchen to find the chairs and table have all been rearranged. She's startled by Caroline, who grabs her by the back as we just see her little hand reach up. She asks Caroline if she did it and puts them all back, telling her she asked them not to pull out the chairs. She goes to get spray in a rag when she turns back to find the chairs all stacked neatly on the table in a pyramid. She's startled and Caroline just looks at her smiling. She asks if it was the TV people and Caroline's like, yeah. She asks if she can see them and Caroline says she can't, but then asks if she can and Diane's like, no. This is one of those rare instances of the parent immediately believing the kid. Which I think should happen immediately, right? Like, how would Caroline be the one doing this? She's five. Kids are creepy. In two seconds, while you turn around to grab Fabuloso, there's like stacked chairs. You're going to be like, oh, why'd you do this? Obviously, the kid did that. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think she's strong enough to lift those chairs. (laughs) But... Don't have a Mexican pairing, fuck. The second you start sleepwalking, they're gonna leave that household. Beat your ass. Get back in bed. <laughs> it's your fault. Why are you talking to the dead? What'd you do? Steve gets home from work when he's rushed in by Diane to come look at something. She brings him to the kitchen and talks a mile a minute, saying she has something to show him. He notices markings on the floor and tries to calm her down, but she says no and brings a chair over to a circle on the floor. She's like, stay calm and try to remember when you used to have an open mind. That See? is depressing. See what I'm saying? Like, he's terrible. I still say on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being Jack from The Shiny. Okay. (laughs) And 1 being, who's the best dad in horror films that you've seen? Patrick Wilson. No, he he was avoiding. The actor. (laughs) Well, yeah, because he's Daddy Wilson, but. Oh, dude from Stranger Things, the one who dies in the beginning, the stepdad. Oh, his name, um, I mean, I know the actor because he's in Lord of the Rings, but I don't remember what. Bob? Was he in Lord of the Rings? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. Was he the one in Fifty First Dates, too? Oh, he was. Yes. Oh, my God. Wow, I didn't realize that they were the same guy. And that's range. Sam was never my favorite character. I thought Sam was annoying. Oh, man. Sam and Frodo are very uh, queer-coded. Mm. Sam's still annoying, though. I thought he was the worst. <laughs> no, he's just in love with Frodo. They are clearly in a dom-sub relationship. Oh, ah, okay. Because <laughs> he's Mr. Frodo. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't uh, refer to him as Mr. Sam. Yeah. This took a turn. I was talking about the least worst dad in horror movies. Him in Stranger Things. But he's not really a dad. Okay, fine. Hopper. Okay. 
we'll do Hopper as number one as the best and Jack is the worst. I say this guy lands at like a three or four. Okay, four. Okay. I see that. He's like a little better than the worst, but he's not great. Carol Ann comes in to snitch that Diane didn't cook. <laughs> yeah, she snitches and she's like, she didn't cook anything. I'm starving. <laughs> yeah. But Diane's like, look, just watch this chair. A few seconds pass before the chair just slides across the kitchen to the other side. Diane celebrates, but Steve can't believe it. While Steve looks at the chair, Diane puts a helmet on Carol Ann and centers her in the circle. Carol Ann also gets slid across the floor to get caught by Steve, who's not said a word the entire time. We then get a long scene of Diane and Steve trying to ask the neighbors if they noticed anything weird in their house, but are also kind of judgy about the neighbors at the same time. Do you remember that? They're like there to be like, hey, have you noticed anything weird going on? But there's flies and shit. And then the guy's like, do the flies not bother you? And Ben, the neighbor's like, they've never bitten me in my fucking entire life, my guy. What and a weird neighbor. He turns to his kid. He's like, you ever been bitten by bugs? He's like, no, dead, never in my life. And he's like, yeah. Because I'm not trash. <laughs> Meanwhile, Diane and Steve are being judgy of them because of the flies. But they're there to ask if they've seen ghosts. Yeah. It's okay. Weird. There's so many scenes in this movie that I'm like, I could have done without it. That whole weird fight with the neighbors. Yeah. Could have done without it. Didn't need it. Yeah. There's a lot of like world building that doesn't need it. That doesn't do build the world. <laughs> no. Everyone has neighbors. We got it. Back home, the two tend to their mosquito bites when Steve says they're going to keep what's going on in the family and it's going to call someone in the morning. Meanwhile, Robbie is counting between lightning strikes in his room and notices the counts are getting smaller. Suddenly, the tree outside attacks, breaking through the window and dragging him out. Carol Ann screams as Steve and Diane come in to see what's going on. They run outside to help, but Carol Ann stays behind. Imagine a world where you have two kids and you forget about the other one. Listen, I think that happens often. <laughs> I'm not going to judge parents. I don't know, because we don't have kids, right? But we have Loki and Elvira. And if something was going on, I'd be like, where's Loki? Where's Elvira? You're not just going to, oh, fuck, Robbie's outside getting attacked by a tree. Ah! They don't even say, like, hey, stay here. They just run. And Caroline's like, staring in her bed. <laughs> I don't know. A tree attacking you is a pretty big deal. I think I'd forget everything and be like, what the fuck is happening? So you would forget our child? Probably. Oh, no. I don't know that we should have children. I don't know either. <laughs> she sees their closet door open wide with a glowing white light as she hears whispers saying, let's go play. Carol Ann yells for help at the family. <laughs> I like how Carol Ann's like, help! <laughs> Someone's asking me to play now. Stranger danger. Good for you, Carol Ann. But the family's outside trying to get to Robbie. There's a black tornado in the background, which is kind of cool. We cut back to the kid's room and see that everything is being vacuumed into the closet. Carol Ann holds onto her headboard for dear life as outside Robbie gets sucked into an opening at the top of the tree. The piece of headboard Carol Ann was holding onto breaks off, causing her to fly into the light. Meanwhile, Robbie is saved by Steve outside. The way she flies into the light is great, though. Obviously a doll, but I just love how it's just like... <laughs> She looks so funny. The way Steve and Robbie fall out of the tree is also great. Did you notice that they're just like ragdolls falling? And I think it's them. I don't think it's props. It's actually Robbie and Steve like just tumbling across these branches. It's not over yet when the tree grabs Robbie's leg, but it lets go right away as the black tornado pulls the tree up into the sky. They watch as the tornado pulls away and remember that Carol Ann is a thing and run up to see if she's okay. They've also completely forgotten about their teenage daughter. She wasn't there that day, was she? I was think she, she went with friends. Yeah, okay. she's like absent a lot actually. Yeah, she's supposed to be the teenager that's always with her friends, so. Yeah. They search the closet and come up on what looks like someone wearing a blanket over them, but when they pull it off, it's just the clown toy. They laugh it off thinking she might be somewhere else, but Robbie stares in fear knowing things are not okay. Yeah. They're looking all over the house and reality starts to set in when Diane screams she might be in the pool. Steve goes out to the mud-filled ditch to look for her while Robbie is back in his parents' room where the TV is on with white noise. Robbie notices Carol Ann yelling, Mommy! in a disembodied voice, causing him to frantically yell out for Diane. Diane comes in and thinks the voice is coming from inside the room, but Robbie keeps screaming as Carol Ann says she can't see her. That's when Diane realizes the voice is coming from the TV. Diane slowly and ominously reaches her hand out to touch it. 
Cut to Steve, who looks like he's been through it. Speaking to a team from the Department of Popular Beliefs, Superstitions, and Parapsychology at a local university. <laughs> what a title for a department. Dr. Lesh, the one in charge, asks to make sure this isn't something they're doing for publicity and whether they're open to someone investigating the disturbances firsthand. We finally get a glance at Steve, who says they don't care about the disturbances and all the chaos that's been happening to them. They just want their daughter back. He's like, bitch, it's not a show. It's a kidnapping. I just heard the SVU theme song playing. <laughs> no. No. Oh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Intro credits? Yeah. <laughs> At the house, Steve gives the tour and says that no one is allowed to enter the room and that Robbie sleeps with them now. As they approach the room, the team decides it's a good time to brag about some of the breakthroughs they've made in the past, including a small toy they noticed moving seven feet on its own over seven hours. I love that they can measure their career accomplishment. Steve's just like unimpressed. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's crazy, damn. Yeah. Oh, damn, that's crazy, man. Let me we just, have uh... real shit going on yeah. here. The one guy, Ryan's like, I recorded it on my handy-dandy time-lapse camera. And then he opens the door. <laughs> Team is immediately in shock at the sight of everything in the room flying around along with disembodied laughter. It's like, you have to see it because it's just like nonsense is happening in the entire room. It's a great scene. The effects are not great. No. It's definitely 80s, you know? But Yeah, the effects definitely date this film. But it gave me such a, like, Haunted Mansion vibe of the room of instruments just flying around. Yeah, with Madame Leota. Yes. Diane says they've been trying to keep it together as a family and asks the team how long they've been investigating haunted houses. Dr. Lesh is like, well, it's hard to figure out if your house is haunted as a coffee pot slides across the table. And she corrects herself by saying, it can be a poltergeist rather than a haunting. They ask the difference and Dr. Lesh explains poltergeists are associated with an individual whereas hauntings are connected to an area. Marty explains poltergeists only last for a short period of time, causing Diane and a question how long they have before they can get Caroline back. So I don't know if this is the accurate definition of a poltergeist versus a haunting. Neither do I. I thought poltergeists were like an angry spirit. And I often thought they were associated with teenagers. Like the energy around puberty and teenagers manifests in poltergeists. Oh, did the conjuring tell us that? It did, the second one. Okay. I was like, I know that I've just learned what I know through TV. <laughs> All I know is through horror movies. Okay, so residual hauntings occur when something traumatic stress or stressful occurs in the location. So think like a murder. And then poltergeist activity is the other type of haunting. It is a German word for noisy spirit. Oh, I would say that this was a very annoying spirit. <laughs> just moving and shit. Just a bit inconvenient, yeah. Another website says it's intelligent haunting. It's got a reason versus it's just random. Yes, so residual is something traumatic happened in the area, and intelligent hauntings are these ghosts or spirits choose to interact with living beings, mm. and they have the ability to respond to things. This film has a little of both. They move on to the living room where Diane attempts to demonstrate communication with Carol Ann to the team using the TV. Meanwhile, E-Buzz is being the goodest boy and doing tricks for the ghosts in the background. They all notice and start hearing Carol Ann calling out for Diane. The moment turns dark when Carol Ann starts saying she can't see her and is afraid of the light. Dr. Lesh says she needs to stay away from the light, causing Diane to go in a panic. Suddenly, a bunch of jewelry starts falling from a portal in the ceiling when Carol Ann starts yelling in fear that someone's coming. We can hear Carol Ann running through the house toward the bedroom with the closet from earlier. Diane makes her way up the stairs when something comes through her. But she's like, I felt her. I can smell her. I understand when she goes up to Stephen. It's like, look, I can smell her. She goes up to Dr. Lesh and is like, look, it smells like her. And Dr. Lesh is like, oh, great. I guess. I've, I've never, never smelled met Carolina. your <laughs> Don't like to smell children. That is creepy. It's this real heartfelt moment that's cut short by a beast growling and blasting them all back. This scene is so fucking funny. I made you rewind this scene <laughs> just so you can watch every individual reacting to this. 
<laughs> the funniest one to me is Dana. Absolutely. Right? She just throws herself on the <laughs> ground. Oh, my God. You guys need to watch that scene over and over because it's just like, I wonder if it's even her because she just throws herself at the ground so hard. It has to be a stunt double. <laughs> we need a stunt double to throw themselves at the ground. Why? Dana can't do it herself. Just because. Just go with it. <laughs> but I don't think someone should fall. No, she needs to <laughs> fucking collapse. You, you don't understand. So hard at the TV. Yeah, she doesn't even put her hands in the way. Just... She, she really doesn't. <laughs> she face plants. Dr. Delesh decides she needs to go to the closet where Carol Ann was last seen, but Marty comes running down the stairs saying he was bitten by something. The bite is huge. What would bite you that crazy if to- it's supposed to be a human? It's his throat that's on the closet. That's he true. made his mouth small for Marty. They decide to spend the night, and while everyone sleeps, the team regroups trying to make sense of what's happening in the house. Ryan deduces that if the portal in the ceiling is way out, there's got to be a way in within the house. While Dr. Lesh and Diane talk about how embarrassed they are about what's going on, Robbie gets real dark and starts asking, if they kill him, can he visit his sister as a ghost? Or maybe, if you kill me, can I hang out with her? What I'm trying to say here is, I'd rather fucking die than deal with this shit. <laughs> yeah, Robbie's really fucked up. He makes jokes earlier, too, that I'm like, whoa, Robbie, you need help, bro. It's truly, like, the younger sister getting all the attention, and Robbie, as the middle <laughs> child, is like, I also have problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody asks me about my problems. <laughs> Dr. Lesh explains that when people die, they see a bright light that contains all the answers to all the questions you could think of, but that if you go into the light, you become part of it forever. She says that some people don't know they're dead and hang out until they get so unhappy they become violent. Robbie gets dark again and says that some kids who beat him up might have gotten run over by a truck and are in the room upstairs before Diane's like, hey, 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 you want to shut the fuck up real quick? I'm sending you to grandma's. This isn't about you, middle <laughs> child. Is that what he said? He did literally say that. He's like, the three kids who beat me up not too long ago might have gotten run over by a truck. And what if it's them? <laughs> These people need to pay attention to Robbie. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Robbie, you okay, dude? You're six years old. Everyone's asleep except for Marty and Ryan who are monitoring their equipment. Marty gets hungry and looks through the kitchen for something to eat when he sees a piece of meat sliding across the kitchen counter. I think this is probably the creepiest scene of all the scenes in this movie. Oh, yeah, it's totally my, like, when I first watched it, this was the scene that I remembered. He sees the piece of meat, it's like a steak or something, sliding across the kitchen counter. It starts to come apart, causing him to drop a chicken leg that's in his mouth in shock. He looks down at the leg, though, and sees it's covered in maggots. He goes to the washroom to puke, and when he looks in the mirror, his skin just starts sliding off of his skull, like melting. These scenes, I think why... I enjoy them so much. Remind me so much of the Evil Dead. Just the kind of use of like, it might not be claymation, but it's definitely like the prosthetics, the way that he rips off his own face. He starts like, and you can see it's a dummy, but it's like, oh, the practical effects of it all like makes it that much nastier. And his face is just coming into pieces and he's like peeling. I don't know that I would even do that, right? If my face started just falling apart, I wouldn't be like, just started like ripping at my skin. It's like when you have those like hangnail things and you start peeling it off until it goes all the way over. <laughs> your hand and it unzips you like a yeah skin suit yeah it's so gross though suddenly there's a flash and he realizes it wasn't real meanwhile ryan is too distracted listening to music when we see light shining from the bedroom surrounded by smoke marty comes back and they both look at the ghostly figure standing at the top of the stairs shrouded in light the figure makes its way to the center of the room and just goes through the ceiling they review the recordings and notice several figures walking around the house that are also shrouded in light the next morning they see robbie off and dr lesh notes that some of the jewelry that fell is over a hundred years old she says she'll be back with some help and we cut to steve talking to his boss mr teague steve gets him out of the house quick so he doesn't notice the paranormal activity there's like a moving piano 
and a super bright lamp. He's like, oh, you got some of them new LED lights, huh? Can you imagine living in just a constant fun house? <laughs> yeah, things basically. are just moving around. Mr. Teague asks Steve if he's planning on leaving Costa Verde, but Steve gets all existential when Mr. Teague says they're starting phase five of construction at the top of the hill, looking over the nearby homes. He offers to make Steve a full partner because he's responsible for all the sales they've made, but Steve just laughs it off. The camera pans and we notice the area that he's talking about is a cemetery, which he says they've already made plans for relocating. Steve's like, wait, what? Mr. Teague's like, it's not ancient tribal burial ground, it's just people. He says they've done it before in Cuesta Verde. Steve's like, wait, what? Realizing why everything's been happening. I don't feel like this is when he realizes, though. That realization comes later. Why wouldn't Steve be like, oh, fuck, like, that might be why things are going on. But it's not until the end where he's like, you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. That evening, Dr. Lesh and the team show up with Tangina. She's so great. I fucking love her. I can't not just say great things about her. I love her so much. Tangina has such an iconic voice. Yeah, I love the way she says stuff. It's great. I think she's so awesome as this character. It reminds me so much of like, what's her name? The voice actor who does Louise in Bob's Burgers. Yeah. That's her voice. It can only be her. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't change it at all. I was surprised when I was looking up Tangina and Zelda Rubenstein because I was trying to see, like, what else has she been in since Poltergeist? She was in all three. Mm-hmm. And these were her biggest roles. Like, she did do some... And I, I, I say this as someone who's never seen the other things that she was listed on. But it's kind of sad, right, that she didn't really do much afterward. I think when you play such a recognizable character, that's all you're known for. It's upsetting, though. Tangina feels something and heads upstairs while Steve mocks Dr. Lesh for bringing her. Kind of stupid on Steve's part, not believing that someone like Tangina could exist given all the paranormal stuff going on. Yeah, that's the one I'll strike against him. You have shit flying around your house and you don't believe in mediums? Oh, what? Psychics? Yeah, right. Tangina asks why the room's locked, but Steve doesn't answer. Diane tells him to answer, and he says he is. Tangina comes back out to say she's addressing the living, and Dr. Lesh says they think it's the heart of the house. Tangina's like, this house has many hearts, and walks back away. Diana's like, what the fuck is wrong with you to Steve? And he says if she were really psychic, she'd know what I'm thinking, and starts hounding Dr. Lesh about it. Tangina comes out and is like, bitch, I didn't answer because I don't like you playing games with me. Also, isn't there other types of psychics? It doesn't all mean that they can read your mind. Right. Tangina confirms Caroline is alive and tells Diane she needs to be strong and do everything she says, even if it contradicts everything she believes in. She explains the reason the other dead folks are attracted to her is because of the one thing she has that they don't, her life force. And these were the scenes that reminded me so much of Insidious. The way that she spoke about these ghosts were the way that, what's her name in Insidious? The medium in Insidious. I can't remember, but I know it's almost like shot for shot. It's almost word for word what she says, being that they're attracted to his life force. She says the dead are distracted from the real light that's there for them and that they're living in a dream they can't wake up from. She says Carol Ann has to help them across into the light, but needs Diane to be the one to guide her. So suddenly Tangina's like, we got to save Carol Ann, but first we have to take the dead spirits to where they need to go using Carol Ann, which I think is scary if you're a parent. You'd be like, why though? I want my kid back. We don't need to save these dead spirits. We need my daughter back. Yeah, that's not her responsibility. The music gets ominous and Tangina says there's a terrible presence of Carol Ann that's been using her to keep the others away from the spectral light. The lipstick demon. Yes. They ready a plan to get Carol Ann back where Tangina has Diane call out for her. Tangina says she can't hear her because she's being held back by several arms and feels safe. She asks who she's most afraid of between her and Steve, and they argue about who punishes the kids real quick. Tangina's like, Steve, yell at Carol Ann. And he's like, I've never laid a hand on them. She's like, yeah, yell at them, though. Yell at her. And he says he's going to spank her, and they hear her yelling out for help. (laughs) Tangina tells Diane to tell her to go toward the light, and Diane snaps. There's this weird snapping back and forth where Diane and Tangina or Dr. Lesh are like, 
go towards the light, don't go towards the light, go towards the light. How dare you? Why would you make me do this? It's weird. I don't think it's fully fleshed out. Like, I understand what they're trying to do, but they just try to argue it so quickly. Yeah. It's not reasonable how upset Diane gets by saying, like, I hate you for making me do this. Right. Like, you asked me for help. Yeah. And I know what I'm doing. Clearly, you haven't done shit. Tangina's like, they have to follow her there. Just lie to her and say you're in the light. And she's like, how dare you make me lie to my child? Why acting like you've never lied to her before? She goes through with it while Tangina says they have to clear their minds because the monster can use their fears against them. They open the door and Tangina walks in like, wow. You live like this? It's trash. (laughs) She puts her shades on as she stares at a blue portal in the closet. They test the portal by throwing balls into the closet and confirm it goes all the way through. She calls out to Diane and tells her to tell Carol Ann not to go into the light anymore as Steve preps some rope. Tangina says she's going in, but Diane's like, she won't come to you. Tangina's like, but you've never done this before. And Diane's like, neither have you. Tangina's like, you're right. Funniest line in this entire film. You go. You do it. Steve's like, no, me. And Diane's like, nah, you got to hold the rope. They say their I love yous and she goes in. Steve asks how they'll know she's got Carol Ann, but Tangina just backs up against the wall and starts calling to the dead to walk into the light. Steve panics because she said not to go into the light earlier. He starts pulling at the rope and while Tangina yells not to pull yet a beast's head the size of the door pokes through scaring the shit out of all of them. He lets go of the rope and on the other side Carol Ann and Diane fall from the ceiling covered in red goop. Steve puts them both into the tub and cleans them up frantically asking them to breathe and wake up. They just watch until finally Diane gasps for air followed by Carol Ann who just says hi daddy. Everyone else leaves the room to give them a moment and Ryan puts the camera on Tangina who says this house is clean. Very proudly. Another iconic line. And then that's the end of Tangina I think for the rest of the movie. I believe so. This scene also, because at the time that we were watching this, we were watching Stranger Things, but the scene with the rope and them falling from (laughs) another dimension reminded us so much of the Upside Down. It was too reminiscent. And it's funny to watch this for the first time because I'm like, whoa, it's like this. It's like this. It's like all these modern things. But yeah. Yeah, you can see that it inspired everything that we watch now. We cut to the family packing their things to move out. Dana is planning on hanging out with her friends and she points out a new gray streak of hair that Diane has. She's Rogue, you know, from X-Men. No, she's Nancy. No, not Nancy. Yeah, Nancy. Nancy, yeah. yeah. From a- Nightmare on Elm, not Stranger Things. <laughs> right. You went through strife, so you were so stressed, your hair turned gray? You turned gray in one particular stylish strand. <laughs> Steve comes back out to ask her how she's feeling, and Diane says she feels good for once, and points out that Carol Ann can't remember any of what happened. Steve says that they're not staying anymore, and while Diane is trying to point out how many memories they have in the house and reminisce and stuff like that, Steve's like, I got work to do. Yeah. See what I'm saying? He's trash. What do you want to say? (laughs) That night, Diane plans to dye her hair back to normal and preps for a bath. There's still like 20 minutes left, so we know that something's about to go down. Why is there 20 minutes left? (laughs) She tells the kids to go to bed while she bathes and finally relaxes. Suddenly in the kids' room, Robbie hears a rustling noise and notices that the clown at the end of his bed is missing from its chair. He looks under the bed and finds nothing, but when he comes back up, the clown wraps its stretchy arm around his throat and pulls him under the bed. Diane can't hear any of it because she's blow-drying her hair. She lays back in her bed to hang out when she finally hears Robbie yelling for help. Before she can react, though, something starts dragging her around the room walls. Robbie does manage to fight the clown back, though, because he grabs it and starts ripping it apart in front of Carol Ann, who just is like, oh my god. I hate dolls. (laughs) So good for Robbie. He's ripping the clown apart while the closet door opens and starts sucking things in. Diane tries running in, but it slams in her face and is shrouded by a cloudy and skeletal monster that won't let her in. She gets thrown down the stairs and anytime she tries touching any part of the house, she gets shocked and thrown back. There's that one scene where she tries to grab the front door and she's thrown all the way to the kitchen. Meanwhile, Robbie and Carol Ann just stare at the closet that implodes on itself while shrouded in the orange and yellow goop. All Carol Ann can say is no more, while outside Diane cries for help. 
It's pouring and she falls into the pool pit from earlier. When she comes up for air, skeletons surround her floating in the water, causing her to freak out. Suddenly, a coffin comes up from the ground and opens up, letting out a skeleton. It's very, like, haunted house prop. The tombs just come up and it's like, skeleton just falls up. She struggles to get out of the pit. The skeletons aren't, like, alive. They just fall around. But she's acting like, oh my god, they've got me. (laughs) They finally got me. I would freak out if I was in my soon-to-be pool and suddenly skeletons started floating to the surface. I think I'd freak out without the skeletons. I'd be like, oh my god, I'm in a muddy pit and I can't get out. (laughs) That is a valid point. She struggles to get out of the pit and keeps sliding back among the floating skeletons until she's finally helped by the neighbors. They hear the kids yelling inside the house and are like, what the fuck is happening? Diane runs into the house and we get this cool shot of the hallway seeming longer than it is when Diane tries running toward the door. It just seems eternal. It's like that Mario staircase from Super Mario 64 when you try to run up the stairs and don't have enough stars. You know what I'm talking about? How fucking stressful. (laughs) She's able to make it. However, when she opens the door, she's immediately sucked up by the pulling force of the closet and holds on for dear life as the kids do the same from Caroline's bed. They look into the mouth of the closet and literally looks like they're staring down like the fiery throat of a monster. You can see like tongue and shit. Diane reaches out to Caroline and Robbie and manages to pull them out with all of her strength into the hallway. And this is another one of those scenes that I would say pause it and look at Carol Ann's <laughs> acting yeah. because she is not doing her best here at physical acting. She's like slightly kicking. It's very clear that there's no force pulling her. She's just laying on the bed, kicking her feet a little bit. Do you think it's actually her or a doll? I think it's her. Because it's so stiff. It's moving its legs. <laughs> Steve makes it to the home and notices all the flashing around the house while Mr. Teague, who dropped him off, notices what's going on too and freaks out. Steve tries running in, but the ground starts coming up in all directions, pulling up more and more coffins, stopping him from getting in the house. The family is trapped and Steve turns to Mr. Teague hysterically yelling that he left the bodies and only moved the headstones. This is the big reveal of this film. Yep. This beautiful town that uh, we thought was amazing and great and built on a great foundation was actually built on the bodies of many, many, many people. And I feel like so many horror films take place in suburban settings. And that's just a theme that you never know what's going on in suburbia. It could be anything. At least it's not ancient tribal burial grounds, though. Right, right. You know, it's fine. People. Yeah. Whatever that means. The family somehow makes it out to the house with e-buzz and yells out to Steve to get in the car. The whole family is yelling while Steve frantically tries putting his key in the car before another body is thrown through the house wall onto the hood of the car. They back up and crash into a car. Meanwhile, Dana shows up like, what the fuck is happening? There's so many times that Dana, like when she is actually in the movie... Is just like having a panic attack the entire time. Like earlier when they were talking to Carol Ann's disembodied body, Dana's just like, oh my God, thank God. Oh my God, what I saw. Well, just imagine being hurt. You're coming home from like staying at a friend's house and the entire house is like losing its shit. Do you think she goes with her friends so much because she's just like, my family's kind of crazy and I'm here to unwind. Absolutely. She's avoiding her traumatic home life. If you want to call this your average teenage traumatic home life. It's her trauma. <laughs> but yeah, so Dana shows up like, what the fuck is going on? They yell at her to get in the car. Robbie's like, just floor it. Just go. Just go, dad. Dad, just go. Dana's still outside the car like yelling. Robbie's like, fuck that girl. Let's go. <laughs> she doesn't even live here. They yell at her to get in the car and floor it while more and more neighbors come out to see the commotion. The entire neighborhood starts falling apart and ends with the implosion of the family's house. Mr. Teague and the rest of the community just watch as it literally vanishes into the portal from the closet. Like it goes in up to where you assume that room was. The family drives away from Cuesta Verde, all traumatized. They make it to a motel, a holiday inn if you will. They all go into the room. Steve comes back out tossing the TV out into the hallway. And that's the end of the movie. Very lighthearted ending credits music. It is. I like that it ends on this 
weird sense of humor joke of the TV was to blame. Yeah. It was the TV all along. Is that a commentary on like television taking over family homes? Of course it is. It's always. Because what else do you worry about but new technologies? My home wouldn't be so fucking traumatized by spirits if my family didn't get ideas from television. Yes. Right? That is one of the messages of this movie. (laughs) My family wouldn't be so crazy if my daughter's eyeballs weren't just so attached to the white noise of television. That was the end. That is Poltergeist 1982. What are your thoughts? This film is a little difficult to critique because you can see how it was so influential to the horror genre moving forward. It is unfortunately aged by the effects. All the smoky arms coming out of the TV and the skeletons in the closet look, they look comical at this point. But I don't agree that it needed a remake, especially the remake that we got years later. I couldn't tell you one thing that happens in that remake. It's not like the same story? Not really. It, I just remember it not being good, not keeping my attention. And then they decide to show the realm that Caroline gets sucked into. And it seems to just be a bunch of skeletons like glued to a wall. Oh. And that's the realm. But as for the original, it's funny and i don't think that's the intention of the film i can see how it was scary in 82 i don't know that i can (laughs) i feel like the tearing of the flesh is a scary scene in that time the mother finding all the skeletal remains in the pool is definitely a scary reveal the rest is just comical to me i think it's just not done in a very scary way now right like i think because it's just skeletons floating i'm like oh it's fucked up But I wouldn't say that it's like a moment of nail biting. You already know that there's a cemetery under these houses. It was bound to happen. But yeah, I think it's very dated. I think it's hard to watch this film with current expectations. But if you, I guess, take yourself away from that, it's a fun film. It's definitely a Spielberg production. I think it's still a necessary watch. And I want to watch the rest. Tangina is a great character. A lot of the characters, I think, are worth sticking around. Like, There's not one character, even with Steve being like a dad who doesn't care. I do like all the characters, you know. Which is rare in a horror movie. There's often that character you're just like, oh, you have to hate them. What other horror movies were around at this time to compare it to? They were mostly all slashers, weren't they? Yeah, 82. Wasn't that the year after Nightmare's Out already? So it was... I don't know if Nightmare's Out. I thought Nightmare was 81. Or was it Friday? Friday might be. Friday was 81 and Nightmare was 84? Yes. Okay. And then Texas was 74. I believe so. I know for sure Black Christmas was out at this point. So I think most of the horror movies of this time were not necessarily haunted house films. The Amityville Horror was out at this time. You kind of know our opinions on that one already. For the most part, it was like Halloween, Carrie, Texas, Black Christmas. You know, definitely not this kind of haunted house film before. No, and I want to say that this is like a lighthearted haunted film you know what i mean yes because they pushed for it to not have like an r rating they wanted younger audiences to be able to see it so what would you rate it i think i would give this a seven you i'm gonna give it an eight just because it inspired so much and i don't think we would have horror the way we have it now without this film i can see that there's a lot of inspiration seen in so much so i mean honestly you could probably make a giant list of movies that were inspired by poltergeist or shows that were inspired by poltergeist because i do feel like there is so much there that if it was more explored what the ghost actually wanted versus all the crazy things they could do for me that would be a better haunting story but i understand what they were going for what made it so vengeful yes because we don't really know and i think that's why like again comparing this movie to a bunch of movies that 
we've already seen makes Insidious work so well for me is that we get to know the villain and what they want. Here, it's very vague. There's multiple ghosts. You see them physically for like a minute, but you don't know anything beyond the simple explanation of, oh, it's on top of a graveyard. And I'm not saying that can't be enough because there are stories that could definitely be fun with that premise. I'm just saying that there was more that could have been explored here and they went for more of the practical special effects and and scare factors here yeah like the ooh the ah of what if your house was haunted yeah like i could use a little more story right it's so funny because there are films that i feel like i say i could use less story and i could use more story there's very rarely one that i was like that was the perfect amount of story we did a couple weeks ago didn't we i would say the black phone for me is the perfect amount of story that's a movie we should talk about too because i feel like there were people who hated it and there were people who loved it oh like with anyone in yeah like any horror movie lately like do horror fans like horror i don't know so let's talk about what scared loki real quick loki didn't react to this movie because i think he was just hanging out somewhere else but what do you think he would do if he were to do tricks for a poltergeist or would he listen at all he wouldn't no he doesn't listen to anybody we wouldn't even notice whether there was a poltergeist or not because he's always crying he's always growling he's always on edge he just wouldn't do tricks for them he's like poltergeist there's poltergeists all around me at all times okay that's what i've been trying to tell you (laughs) do you want to tell us about it loki We should just connect a EVP to like his collar. Oh God! And no. follow him around when we're not around, and then hear the voices. An electromagnetometer, maybe. Potentially. What do you think, Loki? Do you want that giant box around your neck? <laughs> no, I don't think it'd look cute either. Yeah, does that pretty much wrap it up here for us? It does. I apologize again, guys. We're trying to figure it out. Okay, soon enough. I think I say that every time. One day. It's been a rough second year of podcasting. Too much going on. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about us, though. We're still here. Hey, we have so much planned for when we do. But until then, bear with us. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakenoutscaredpod at gmail.com. For the show on Patreon, you can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos if you listen on YouTube. Make sure to comment, like, subscribe. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. What did you think of Polder Guys? Be sure to like, rate, review, all that good stuff. And okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.